are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. And Wilson, Patsy Klein. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw in Dolly Parton. And how about Annie Lennox of the Arrhythmics? She's really good. Wow. Well, that is a lame list. Brandon Jaggers. I thought it was a great idea that me and a couple of my roommates go to Golden Corral. I've never been there in my entire life. I've never been to a buffet. Well, I liked Sizzler back when I was growing up. I thought it was a great thing. And me, CC brought us. I did a deep dive on Linda Ronstadt. The Auxiliary Gate. Big problem. everybody come on into episode number 116 of the auxiliary gate podcast i'm cc brought us joined by alan schneider all right let's talk some football oh wait that's not what we're doing is it no that's that's our friday night deal oh yeah well we actually we ought to do that one time but just college football i don't care much for the pros i don't care for fantasy football uh, just give me some college football i'm happy let's just do a conference realignment podcast I, I could. I'm not a smart enough man to keep up with that stuff. I mean, we we can't pretend that college athletics is getting a little crazy these days. Not to say that the players deserve everything they're getting, in my opinion. But I mean, I I just can't keep up with everything else. I don't know who's where and what's going on and this and that. But I'm, I'll try to teach myself in the next few weeks. Well, all that aside, let's talk about the sport uh, that that I love is horse racing. Uh, we're going to kick this off with uh, I got a, a question for you. Oh boy. Now, I consider myself to be a horse racing snob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. What is your most snobbish horse racing take? Oh, boy, I wish you'd asked me this beforehand. Um, I'll tell you mine, and I'll give go you ahead, I'll give you. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, I got a bunch. I got a several. I just got to come up off the top of my head. I, I'll, I'll, I'll name two. Number one is I hate when horse players – refer to a horse as a number I do, that, yeah that I agree. you know like well who won the fifth race and like you know i'll say the the name of the horse damon's mm-hmm. man and they'll be like what's the number five you know i i hate that i hate you know when you for well I, I like the seven and the eight and the nine who I, are I, I don't i mean what race are you talking about what horse i don't know that that is my snobbish that is my first snobbish take First off, I'll let you interrupt you right there. I don't think that's snobbish. That you automatically differentiate between someone who's just a degenerate gambler, just a gambler, and someone who's actually a bit of a horse player, right? Or somebody actually prefers the sport, right? That's why I take that. They're, they're, well, they're, not, they're not horses. They're not entities. They're not, you know, they're just numbers as, as like playing Keno or some other random dumbass game. That's why I take it. To me, it's, it's respectful to the horses. Now, Agreed. that may sound, like I said, that sounds very, very arrogant but uh yeah i i uh yeah it's a sport first to me agreed now if you're yeah if you're referring to tennessee playing arkansas in the game of the week you don't refer to you don't refer to them as orange and red no you know, who'd you bet i bet orange or you know bet one or two yeah fair enough uh take number two uh i i don't like it when talking heads refer to a horse's pedigree and they say, well, this horse is out of Tappet and a pleasant tap mare. You know, get your get your lingo right. The the sire is by by Tappet 
out of the mare because it, the, the foal physically comes out of the mare. I can excuse that with an everyday up-and-coming type player. If you're actually being paid to do that, to have to paid to do this and have at least present some sort of modicum of expertise, then that should be second nature to you, correct? You know, if some of you are talking to a couple of guys at the track, that's fine. But if you're on television, if you're if that's what you do for a living, then you should at least be able to come up with that, correct? Yes. Okay. okay. So it, you got more, or is it my turn? No, that's it for now. I've, we'll save the rest for our uh, airing of grievances. Yeah, we need to start making that annual thing, maybe every other week or whatever. But my, my area of grievance is a little different. Like, people get on the sport as a whole. Like, I, I like you talk about uh, what gets on your nerves. I mean, the, the, is that what your original question was, what gets on your nerves? What's the, the the actual question? Well, what is, what's a take that you have that others probably would consider to be, like I said, aristocratic or, or arrogant? Oh, aristocratic. I, I think the Twitter stuff gets on my nerves, to be honest with you. Uh, I I don't care. For, I've mentioned this numerous times, fashion jockeys for no reason. Uh, you think you're the smartest person in the world. All of a sudden, your horse loses, and it's everybody's fault but your own. Uh, you forget that it's a sport. I mean, betting 800 races a week, seven days a week, you get one bad ride or one bad steward's call, and you're bitching, moaning, blah, 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 to the end of time. But then you're right back there betting the next race and the next Tuesday and the next Thursday. That's what gets – that's what I think that's – pretty sorry uh to be honest with you uh don't really make any more any bones about that one more i would add i i hate it when people refer to a horse as an it yeah i, I give you it's a living thing correct yeah yeah and it's got a gender you know it's it's either male or female it's 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 either a he or a she and don't call it don't refer to the horse as a thing or like a couch you know yeah I, well you know like as I was saying, with the, with the you know, hey, I got a bad ride. I was like, hey, you know what? You bet eight hundred race. You're going to bet eight hundred races this week. You're you're bound to get a couple of bad rides, okay? And I would uh, also add that like, like when people complain about, let's say Saratoga, I ran their brother going. Uh, they're they're uh, combining to try to win every race. They're they're uh, colluding, blah blah blah. Or the pick five, they screwed the pick five up and took it off the turf. Yeah, you know what? You're right, but. If you really give a damn, if you really want to change something, then don't bet the next race. If you truly believe that, if you truly believe there's some some malfeasance going on, then just don't bet. That's the only way they'll listen. But you'll bitch about the pick five coming off the turf. They scratch your uh, scratch horses you don't want. The only way that you make people pay for that is to not bet the sequence. But every time, everybody that gets on their bitches and just bets the next one, next one. So is that a take? That's my. It take. is. Yeah. It is. It's like you know what? Okay, I'm not going to raise hell. I didn't like it. I just won't. Put, I just won't bet. That's the only way you speak, right? That's the only way anybody listens is through money. So no one's going to take you seriously if you bitch and bitch and bitch, and then you you still throw your money through the windows. If you really care, then have enough have enough um, self respect or whatever to not bet and go find something else to do, or hell, at the very least, bet another racetrack. But you asked me for a take. I hate the phrase take, by the way, but that's mine. <laughs> I don't know if that's really elitist. So let's uh, now exhale a little bit. Just kind of. I'm trying to get it all in there. Just back it down. Now we're going to talk about the weekend that was. You and I made a pilgrimage to Ellis Park. Uh, you came on Saturday. I, I spent the weekend. Yes. I enjoyed it immensely. I, that weekend went way too fast for me. But uh, uh, I was going to say give us your take on your weekend at Ellis Park. But that's you don't like that word. No, so, we're going to it's, say, it's give us your connotation. point of view. Uh, we got to meet our uh, 
Vince Gabbard. Vince was uh, nice enough to uh, talk to us there. Wonderful guy. He's doing a fantastic job there. Is there still some things that need to be done? Yes, we're not going to pretend that they're not. But I do think they're on an uptick of some um, of some degree. I do believe the racing is good. It was good to have the turf racing back. It was hot as hell, uh, but you know that going to Ellis Park, right? Uh, I believe uh, you have made mention of maybe getting some big-ass fans in there. Uh, yes. That would be very, very welcome. And some other improvements that you and I have ideas about and stuff, too. But they still are, they are trending upward. The racing definitely is. I mean, we had a pretty good weekend, right? I, mean, I don't think we crushed them, but we did all right. I love it down there. I yeah. love it. I, I, it, it. The amenities are, you know, they're old. They've been there forever. So are we. Yeah, but the, you know, the racing is fantastic. And uh, Saturday, the, uh, I believe it was the first rendition of the Cowboy Jones Stakes. That was uh, an exciting race. Mm-hmm. There was one by injunction, a horse that I loved. He was 12 to 1 on the morning line, went off 2 to 1 and took every, uh, he, he did all the heavy lifting in the race. Yeah. And still won. It could be a good field. Beat a, yeah, beat a really good field. You had the uh, winner of the Oakland handicap in there, Last Samurai. And then you also had Title Ready, who's been, you know, millionaire. Every big Kentucky race that that there's been. And, uh, Injunction went all the way, uh, and was pressured every step of the way and still held on. But that was one of those they knew moments because he was the favorite in every pool. It seemed like. And, uh, and, and, and went off at two to one at the end. So, but, uh, hats off to that, to that horse because that was a big effort. Yeah. We thought we hit something there because we, we hit some multis and stuff. We thought we were on, we thought we were on point. We held even shit, did we? <laughs> no, I think I may have lost money on that pick four at the end. I won my, I turned a profit, but I didn't want, I didn't the profit I thought I would. But, uh, anyway, it was still a lot of fun there. And I, I, again, I think Ellis is great. I, I don't need a lot of, uh, we use the word elitist stuff earlier. Uh, I don't need a lot of that stuff. I'm, I'm just happy. I know the people there love it. Uh, you can tell that they love it. It means a lot to them. And uh, I, I wish I could get back there. Maybe I came before the meet ends. We'll see. Now, my memory is a little foggy. Jace's Road ran on Saturday. Did we see him? I, I'm yes. Sure. Yeah, Jace's Road was a big winner. Second coming of Juju's Matt, maybe? Yeah, I understand that they may be pointing <laughs> him to the Iroquois Stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at Churchill in September. So that'll be interesting. That horse has a bright future. And then on Sunday, now you went home and I, I, I spent the night in Evansville and we went to the backside and that's, that was cool. Got to see a lot of workouts, got to see a lot of horses. And, uh, it was, that was a lot of fun. Then went to the races that afternoon, saw Gary McIntyre, who is, uh, has some connections to the outlaws and, uh, uh, their racing manager, Jason Louch, I think. And, uh, and Gary gave me a winner. All right. All right. And had it not been for that, it would have been a lousy day because I, did, I wasn't close on anything after that. But, uh, yeah, that, thanks to Gary and he's a excellent person. And, and, uh, I think he's, he's one of those guys that, that goes to Ellis every day, possibly. I, I'm, yes. uh, I would like to be in those shoes because I think he loves it. Fun. He loves, he loves it. it too. Yeah. He loves it too. Yeah. Let's talk about the stakes action. Uh, the ridiculous results. You know, it, it, they had four stakes races, $100,000 each. Started in race number six. Six, I think, yeah. All in sync. and Yeah, the turf sprint was won by all in sync, first time on grass. by Owned by a guy that we need to get on to, to the podcast at some point. We met him last summer, Ed, Ed Orr and his wife, Susie Orr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susie looks like, uh, who's her celebrity resemblance? 
was it Sandra Bullock? Sandra no. Bullock. Right. Yeah. Right. So we need to get them on the show at some point. But, uh, yeah, this horse, uh, ran a huge race, uh, to, to beat, uh, that was, uh, that was Bad Beat Brian and, uh, Totally, totally Boss. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's Vincent Shimano. You've got to know people. We haven't mentioned this before. I, I've tried to mention Vincent Shimano. It's got that turf court. He's going to win a lot of turf races at Kentucky Downs and at Ellis Park and at Churchill and Keeneland. You're going to get prices. Remember Vincent Shimano. He's riding extremely well. And I don't think the word is quite out yet, but you've got to keep an eye on Vincent Shimano. The seventh race was the Centennial Distaff Turf Mile. We'll talk about this, uh, a little more in detail later, but Henrietta Topham. Yeah. For Canvas Kenneth Farm and Jeff Mulcahy, ridden by an apprentice, Gage Holmes. Unbelievable ride. Yeah, it, it was. I tell you what, we may touch, again, we might touch on this a little bit. But I, she did a great job at a race for, that was a race with Turner Loose. Well, I thought Turner Loose was going to air in that race. And Turner Loose did get out. But she did a really good job of making it kind of claustrophobic down the stretch on Turner. Turner Loose could never get free, could never could get comfortable, it seemed like. And I don't know, she wouldn't exactly have the horse pinned, but she, she kept the horse, I don't, not quite boxing is not the right word, but kept it uncomfortable while still never losing her stride. And I was impressed by, I was impressed by her effort, impressed by the horse's effort. And, uh, we may be talking about that here shortly. Creative credit won the distaff turf sprint at five and a half furlongs. Looked like a ton of speed in there. And she just out broke the field and, and, you know, put away LZ around the turn, went off the wind. That was a, uh, very nice and impressive effort for the, this, uh, five year old mare by Creative Cause, who we've got a slight connection to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, this is a four straight win for Creative Cause. Come and then as you mentioned yeah. it, yeah, I know Joe Crucifect nailed that one at about 11 to 1. He, I wonder if it's the creative cause that did it for him. But uh, anyway, LZ, uh, if you break LZ out of the gate, you're doing something. That horse yeah. shot, shot by, past LZ, that, that's pretty impressive. But, yeah. you know, the speed speed wins the turf sprints at Ellis. I mean, it, it, it they don't back up much, it seems like. Uh, they will every once in a while. But if you can get a horse on the front on, on turf sprint at Ellis, you're, you got to be feeling pretty good. And then the last one was the Evan Williams turf mile. And I was looking for a bottle of Evan Williams at that point because, uh, uh, nothing was making sense for me, but that was one of my Gray's fable. We actually went down to the paddock and looked at that, uh, look at that gray gelding, a seven year old gelding by Gio Pawnee. That horse looked really nice in the paddock. Of course, I, for whatever reason, I, I didn't use the horse at all, but the type of horse that always wants to be on the lead. And he was off form a little bit in his last two starts. And Brian Lynch put uh, Mikhail Michelle. The uh, female rider from France aboard, she delivered a perfect ride, brought the horse from off the pace, and, and got up to beat the heavy favorite, Mr. Dumas. Mr. Dumas was racing in that race without Lasix, and if you take a closer look at Mr. Dumas, he got way over bed. I mean, that, that's a really good horse, but he does not do his best racing on, on Lasix, without Lasix. He was without Lasix in that race. That said, Mikel Michelle, you go back and watch that ride. That was impressive. Uh, she, that horse was, first off, the horse should have been on the lead. They took the horse back, which is impressive enough as it is. And then the horse got stopped or stymied down the stretch and still come rolling, uh, to finish a surge in the last 16th of mile to go, but to go by him fairly easily. It was, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Michelle is going to win just like Mr. Shimano. These, uh, these French imports, they know what they're doing on the grass. All right. Well, that was, that's going to segue into our next guest, uh, the Distaff Turf Mile or what was the Centennial Turf Mile? Something like mm-hmm. that. I get these names confused, but the winner of that, was, of course, Henrietta Tompham, and we've got her trainer right now. Our guest this evening is no stranger to Kentucky Racing. He came here by way of Ireland and has loads of international wisdom under his belt. All of that experience culminated with his first stakes victory last Sunday 
when the filly that he trains, Henrietta Topham, won the Centennial Distaff Mile at Ellis Park. Our guest this evening is Jeff Mulcahy, and we're going to meet him right now. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good, CC. Thanks very much for having me on. So before we talk about your fabulous filly, uh, let's let's learn a little bit more about you and your career. Uh, you're from Ireland, but I understand that you've had some uh, international travel. Uh, could you could you expound on that and tell us uh, where all you've been? Yeah, um, I'm from Tipperary, County Tipperary, uh, in Ireland, and um, sure, like most of the Irish lads, we uh, we seem to wander around and end up in different places wherever there's horses. You'll find Irish guys. So, you know, when it came to, to working, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, I, I headed off and got some experience in different countries. England is, you know, the closest to us. So I worked in Newmarket for a while and, uh, in France and, uh, I did a, I did a lovely, uh, trip to South Africa. Actually, that was great fun. Worked down there for a while and, uh, ended up in, America and Saudi Arabia was thrown in there for a little while as well, but uh, kind of settled down in, in in the states. So now you've come here. Uh, you've got a farm, right, in Lexington or, or near Lexington? Yeah, just on the north side of Lexington. Um, we're about uh, oh, about I don't know eight or nine miles from from Lexington. We're just off Russell Cave Road uh, on the north side of town, and uh, we've got a farm there. Um, and then we train at the Thoroughbred Centre in Paris Bike. So that's where they live. That's so what is the prim- what's the primary purpose of the farm? The farm uh, is, we don't do any mares and foals. We're not a breeding farm, which is unusual uh, for this neck of the woods. Uh, we Our main business is breaking yearlings uh, or even late early two-year-olds uh, and then layups as well as needed horses coming off operations or, or freshening or, or anything like that. So pretty much, if if you can put a saddle on it, uh, we'll do it. Now, you've got a connection to a pretty special filly a, a few years ago that I think you had something to do with uh, the pre-training and whatnot, uh, a filly named She Dares the Devil. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, lovely filly. Obviously, she won the Oaks. Um, we broke her in for Deuce Greathouse. Uh, and his syndicate there, he do spot her as a yearling, and uh, we broke her in, and we, uh, you know, broke her in at the farm, and then it did all the pre-training at the thoroughbred centre, and sent her on to Norm Cassie uh, as a two-year-old. Uh, he won with her first time out. He Norm started her, and then she changed hands. Uh, through a, a sale, and that's how uh, Brad Cox ended up with her. But Norm, Norm, and Deuce Greathouse were the were the first people involved. Could you tell at that stage that she was special? Um, no, we, we liked her. She was very athletic. Uh, obviously, you don't look at a filly and the, or, or any horse and say, "Look, there's a the grade one." I'd love to say I could, but uh, no, she she did everything right. She was very straightforward. Uh, and I think the number one thing that we all remember about her was she was athletic, you know, and that's uh, everything after that is a bonus, you know. So you've got a stable at the Thoroughbred Center, and that's, uh, I guess, that would be to the east of Lexington on Paris Pike. Yeah, just, about- just on the north side, uh, out towards Paris, just uh, it's on the yeah. outskirts of, of, of Lexington there. Yeah. Right. So 
tell a lot of people don't know a whole lot about the Thoroughbred Center. Tell us about that place. Uh, yeah. It's pretty pretty unique place. Uh, equine uh, Equine Pavilion, kind of. It is. It's a great facility. When I came here first, I actually came here in '95 uh, from Ireland. I, I did six months over here, so I've known. I've known, uh, it was the training centre back then. Now it's the Thoroughbred Centre since Keeneland took it over. But, uh, it's a great facility, um, great for young horses. It's, it's a narrow track, but in a way that is like a lot of people from the racetrack would look and say, Oh, this is narrow. But in a way, doing what we do with the young horses, they experience everything and, uh, good, bad and indifferent. And the horses come out of there pretty broke. Um, it's it's owned by Keenan. They put a lot of money into it lately, building new barns. The infrastructure is great. The management is great. And uh, yeah, when, when I came off the racetrack, uh, I wanted to rebase in Lexington, and uh, I was very happy to go back to the Thoroughbred Centre. That's home now. So I think way back when the big draw to that place was the, the that giant barn that they can convert into a, uh, a training track, kind of. During the winter, when the when the the real track is frozen, is that is that still a thing? It is. Well, they had a there was there's two tracks there. There's a there's a, a seven and a half eights um, uh, main track, and then the the lower track is five eights. But there used to be a roof over that lower track, and I think that came down in a in a snowfall, or part of it came down maybe in ninety seven, ninety eight. Uh, and that was the that was a great track for the winter time, you know, when the you had inclement weather and and that uh, the track was always decent down there. Uh, and then those big barns that are no longer more, th- th- obviously they had a massive schedule. You could, uh, I mean, that was like New Circle Road. You could, there was different roads up in the middle, and you could go wherever you want. You know? Right. Yeah, that that barn was. I mean, it had like what eight. Shed rows underneath the roof, or, or yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a. It was a, like back in the day. I'm sure it was pretty uh, deluxe and unfortunately, You know, it just got a bit aged as time went on. But a lot of good horses came out of that. Uh, those big barns, as we call yeah. them, a lot of good horses and a lot of good horsemen trained out of there. Well, speaking of good horses, let's talk about your uh, your filly, Henrietta Topham. Uh, let, let's start at the very beginning back. Uh, Last fall and through the winter, she had three starts. She just ran okay in those starts. Uh, what, what what was going on early with with her career? So we 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 broke her in. We know her very well, obviously. We broke her in. Um, you know, we've had her since you could, since we were able to put a saddle and bridle on her. Um, my wife Sandra broke her in at the farm, and uh, we we did the training center, the track stuff with her. Then um, came time to her first run. Uh, she was a bit. She was a bit big and backward, a bit immature. So we gave her some time off after we broke her. Um, luckily, the owners are tremendous people, very patient and, and uh, forgiving if, they, if there's any step backwards we need to do. Um, anyway, long story short, we, we brought her back into training as a three-year-old. Uh, no injuries or anything, just, like I said, the time off. Uh, I gave her a run. At Indiana Downs, ran a very nice fourth, first time out, obviously going long, which is, you know, I, I, I don't crank in them too much. So you always like to get a bit of experience out of the race. And uh, we were delighted with her run, ran a good closing fourth. Deshaun Parker rode her that day. Uh, the next race was scheduled for the turf, and it was taken off the turf. So she breezes quite well in the morning on the turf. 
we didn't know that she, you know, that she preferred the turf just off the one run. So we ran her back. Uh, I think she was fourth again, but not as an impressive a fourth as, as first time out. So that was turf rule. That, that was, we'd done a turf race. We'd done a dirt race. Next came a tapita race at Turfway. I think that kind of went the same as the dirt race at Indiana. You could see she did okay, but wasn't in love with it. Uh, kicked her out then for the for the winter. I think we gave her about three months off, um, just because we knew that you know we just let Tapita finish up the turfway meet, and we'll have her ready for the spring. And uh, yeah, we 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 got rolling then at Indiana this uh, late spring, and we took it from there. So her first race back on June twenty second at Indiana, you decided to leg up Gage Holmes, who is an apprentice. I think at the time she was maybe a seven pound bug. Maybe she still is. But uh, tell us about your decision to to put her on uh, Henrietta. Yeah, I was. I'll be honest, and it's kind of funny. I was in Ireland. Uh, I went home to see my family, and I entered her with uh, Jimmy McInerney, who's the race caller at Ellis. I'm sure you know Jimmy Mac. Yes. Yeah. So I entered her with Deshaun because Deshaun had ridden her the fir- first time out at, at Indiana, you know. And, uh, oh, sure, look, Jimmy won't mind me saying it, but typical agent stuff, uh, they don't tell you if you're named on or not named on. So I, he, he sent me a text. We got in for the race. I didn't pay any attention. <laughs> and I came back from Ireland, and uh, I think the race was the next day, the day after I arrived back. And, I, you know, I was tired after the flight and stuff. And only then I looked at the, at the overnight, <laughs> and I saw G. Holmes. <laughs> and I went, uh, and then of course the the apprentice uh, asterisk, the bug asterisk, beside it. And I said, uh, I remember asking the lads, who who's this uh, G Holmes? And uh, I said, is he is he a young lad or, or <laughs> is he, you know, or does he ride up there? Has anyone ever heard of him? And uh, John Langmuir, a, a pal of mine um, who knows Indiana Downs very well, said, no, that's a girl. Now this was the the morning before the the day before the race. So that's a girl. So I went, okay. I called the owners and said, look, uh, it didn't work out as planned, but we still we have a, a good little rider, only from what I've been told. And um, uh, Gage, who is a girl, <laughs> and uh, she rode her. Uh, and yeah, she she uh, she won. She won in her first. So uh, that started the ball rolling. And then com- comes right back July 14th, wins again at Indiana. She this time it was different. She's four to five heavy favorite. Yeah, and she wins on the lead. Was was that a, a decision to uh, maybe try to take them all the way or what, what was? No, because I said to her, don't give uh, stop going. Like you can't go around the outside like you did in the maiden race. Uh, you know you can't uh, you can't do that. Uh, I still didn't know Kate. I said it to Jimmy Mack, the agent. I said tell your kid to maybe save a bit of ground and go up the inside and and get a better position. So I don't know if get a better position means jump to the front. Uh, <laughs> that's what she did. I, there wasn't much pace. The, the first race that she won there was uh, very fast fractions. I think they went 21 and 45. Um, I mean, the turf was like the road up there that day. It was a real hot spell. Um, so it was very hard track. But uh, I think this time around, uh, the lads just took a pull back. And I think Gage went from getting a good position to all of a sudden finding herself in front, but she just let the filly lope along and and got into her stride and 
made every poll a winning poll, you know. So coming into the Centennial Distaff Turf Mile at Ellis, obviously you're confident with your filly, but did you think she could win the race? No. <laughs> no. I thought, yeah, I thought wouldn't it be great if we got a piece of it. Um, you know, I, I knew she'd come out of each race great. She's, a, she's as easy a filly to train. I, I mean, I can't take any too much credit because she's so straightforward. She's got the temperament of an angel and uh, she's just as sound as anything you'd ever train um, I thought if we got a bit of luck luck in, 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 in the trip that we could get stakes placed and that was of course you know going from a, for a filly it's so important for the breeders mm-hmm. uh, have that on the pedigree notes but uh, yeah I, I, did, I, I didn't know what to do with instructions because like you said she won going wide the first time and then on the lead the second time so I said I, I give up do what you want you know <laughs> so <laughs> like Gage is the boss in the race there's no point in uh, giving too many instructions um, you know and we and we just you know she got she, she broke well she got a well positioned uh, we did go wide obviously around the final turn but uh, I think momentum uh, there's going wide and struggling and then there's going wide nearly like a slingshot and, and, and it kind of just, the momentum shot her forward coming into the stretch then. I'm, I'm going by memory. I think she was, was she on the wrong lead coming down the stretch? She was. She, to, she was. Yeah. She stayed in her inside lead. Something she'd done in her allowance win as well. Uh, you know, uh, um, she, she's still inexperienced. I mean, you like, I won't say she had the ideal preparation as a, as a three year old, but she three different races on three different tracks. Our surfaces, and and now all of a sudden she's getting into her groove. So it's only her sixth start, but you know, really third starts in succession, and and uh, I think there's still a there's still a little bit of greenness in her, you know. Um, but when she switched to the outside lead, it was just like pressing a button, and and uh, she just kind of shot forward at the right time. Yes, you outran a really nice filly uh, from the Brad Cox stable, uh, uh, Turner Loose, who won the race with Alexandra. She was on the Kentucky Oaks Trail this this past oh, yeah. winter. Yeah, uh, no, class filly, and 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 uh, like I said, we might have just got a bit lucky that she was coming off a layoff, and we might, you know, just had that extra length. But uh, yeah, look, the the farm, the farm is there. Yeah, she's uh, by Lemon Drop Kid out of a Cozine mare. That's a really nice cross, I would think. That that opens up a lot of possibilities. You maybe go long, you probably go a mile, somewhere in between. That uh, I got to yeah. think Kentucky Downs is on the schedule, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Look, let's let's stay close to home, and and it's only down the road. And uh, yeah, that's the plan. Head to Kentucky Downs, and if if we do well, Nashville is around the corner for that night. You know. We- which way are you leaning? Maybe go go longer or or, or shorter? Or well, the Kentucky think? Downs the Kentucky Downs race is a mile, but I, I'll be honest. I you know uh, I think she'll go further, but that's something you don't know about until you you do go further. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but at the moment we will there's not a lot of options on the turf yet. Uh, but that race Kentucky Downs makes sense. That, that's the plan at the moment on the I think it's September the tenth, but. I mean, that's a lifetime away. That's three weeks away as far as, you know. Right. All right. Looking forward to that. Alan, do you have any questions for Mr. Jeff Mulcahy? Just made me think a second. You know, all those Kentucky Downs races, are, you know, obviously they're big purses. 
But there's mile and five-eighths. Some are mile and five-eighths. It might help to have someone like Gage Holmes with that apprentice weight going that far. I don't know what. how far how far are you looking to send her. Well, you know, she, she's done stakes now, and, and uh, obviously the apprentices don't get the claim in the stakes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so that, that's the – I won't say it's a drawback, but, uh, you know, the, 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 there's another stake at Kentucky Downs, but we kind of used up our condition. It's for fillies uh, that have never won a stake. Um, yeah. So really now that, that – uh, yeah, that's where you get into the, the trickiness of using an apprentice. But, um, yeah, as of today, we're, we're going for that uh, mild stake, and uh, Gage would be right. Yeah, actually, it says a lot about you. I'm glad you actually segue this into this for me nicely. It says a lot to for you that after Gage wins twice on the horse, uh, that you kept Gage on the horse into the stakes race, despite the fact that she lost that apprentice uh, allowance. Um, what went, I, I'm not going to ask you what went in the decision, but then again, she had a hell of a ride at, at, in, in the stakes race, so it paid off. But what went in the decision to keep Gage, keep Gage aboard, even though she wasn't getting that allowance? So it was, uh, it's funny, I talked to Michael, the owner, and straight away you think, well, we're going for a stake now. Uh, nice filly. You, you mightn't have the first jockey available, but the, you, you'll have some pretty good, successful jockeys that'll uh, be available. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, when it comes to the racing, we're as small as you can get, because we only race a couple. Uh, so, you know, you get a jockey and they don't know you. They know the filly is one, but it's still, you're coming from Indiana Downs and yes. no one really knows the trainer. Whereas, uh, Gage, um, you know, she's obviously hungry. Uh, girls in this game, whether they're trainers or jockeys, they always have a point to prove and, yes. and, they, and they want to show the, the world that they can do it as good, if not better than anyone else. And, uh, Look, the bottom line is, I think the filly runs for her, and and that's that's not science or we did one and one is two or anything like that. It's as simple as the filly is runs for her, and she's done nothing wrong except win so far. So why not? As as I said, Ellis, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And you can you can try and you know make this decision and justify this and reasons not to. But at the end of the day, it's it's. Uh, you got to keep things simple, and and that, and she, you know, she rode her to two wins, and uh, now she's rode her to three wins, and, and and it seems to be working. Whatever we're all doing together. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you touched on that too, because we actually one thing about Kentucky in the last couple of years and Indiana, we've gotten a pretty not, a, we're starting to get a decent female jockey colony. They're all very talented, so I'm glad you actually have given these uh, a lot of these females. There's a couple more that deserve chances and stuff. So I think it says a lot that you kept Gage on. And then she rewarded you because I think it's kind of unrated how, how good a ride she gave that horse because she did a really good job to me keeping Turner loose like uncomfortable down the stretch. Turner loose can never get yeah. free, get comfortable, and she did that. Yeah. Kept that horse. I don't want to say pinned. I don't want to say boxed, but she kept that horse uncomfortable. She really couldn't get free. And all the while, your horse never stopped momentum. Right? It was kind of a, a nice little. Uh, Maneuver she did there. She kept the yeah. horse spin, but she kept your horse going. Yeah, I think you you you, um, you you hit the the nail on the head, Alan, earlier on when you said she was logging in and stuff, uh, which she was. But the main thing is she didn't panic. You yeah. know, some some just go to this big massive move, and you know they do the hand movements and pull the reins all the way to the right. 
she 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 did it in her own time and the Billy, even though she was lugging in, she didn't lose any ground. Like you said, she kept on moving forward. Uh she didn't panic and when the Billy did switch leads, um that's when she took off. So uh calm under pressure and uh you know, a lot of jocks would go pulling their stick through and then they might drop a rein or lose momentum or frighten the horse that they're on or I don't know, cause interference to the other horse, but she stayed pretty cool under the circumstances. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you mentioned a moment ago that uh, you don't train many horses, but your name's been around a long time. I'm I'm familiar with your career, but you 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 work with a lot of horses. You only race a few. What makes the decision between the ones that you send away and the ones that you keep and train for yourself? Yeah, so 90, uh, look, over, over 90% of our work is uh, breaking the young horses and legging them up. Typically, um, what we've done is uh, there's kind of two ways of looking at it. Number one, you might have a, a, an owner that says, would you mind giving a horse one run before we sent it on to the trainer? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that is coming out of the training center and knows our system and stuff. And then it'll go on to another trainer. And then number two, um, we do train for a lot of the bigger uh, farm outfits here. In, in Kentucky, um, and the odd time you'll get a, you know, rather than going to New York or, or Churchill or or out west to one of the big boys, they mightn't have something that fits into the program, especially a Philly or something, and they say, look, we need to get these things made and broken, maybe take it to Belterra or Turfway during the winter or, or something like that. So we, we typically don't race as a business, but we'll always kind of do a few small things uh, for local guys and, you know, farm managers or bigger outfits that uh, just don't want to send them, you know, up east or, or down south for the winter. And, you know, reading your website, you have a website called Mulcahy Equine, which mm-hmm. is actually a really nice website. And on there, I was reading about uh, kind of in, in step with what you were talking about, breaking Young horses, the Mulcahy method. You want to talk about the Mulcahy method real quick? The Mulcahy, the Mulcahy method is uh, do the simple things right, and it's no fancy stuff. My dad used to always say the wheel is round. Don't try and make the wheel rounder. If you do try and make that wheel rounder, you're going to mess up the wheel. Mm-hmm. So we do it very simple. We've got a great bunch of um, – everything is connected. So the, the, our, our grooms and our riders at the farm come from the thoroughbred centre – to do the braking and then they all automatically know the horses when they come back into the thoroughbred center. So everyone knows it from the first time we're braking to when they go into the track. Um, we do everything in groups. So they're always in a group, usually uh, at the very least, probably six, um, but up to seven or eight or nine at a time. And uh, I think that we like to do that. It's more, I won't say it's a European style, but, we certainly, rather than send them out one or two at a time, we send, we tend to send out strings, both the braking and, 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 uh, at the track. And it's all about, um, we do a lot of slower controlled work, uh, get that competitive juices flowing in them, let them eyeball each other. We, we were big on not seeing who's the fastest or who's the strongest. We like to teach them to say head and head and, uh, it seems to work for us, you know. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, and I also add that, you know, I'm when we have someone on who is like in a family operation, you know, I'm nowhere without my wife, Nicole. And I know your wife 
is a big part of your operation. I'm always, I'm always, um, like to make sure that the, the spouses, the other family members get there do. You want to talk about what your wife, Sandra, who's been with you for a long time, how she, uh, has helped in this journey to success that you've had. Oh yeah. Well, she's the boss. <laughs> you know, fair <laughs> enough. I know it. There's no point in me saying yeah, she helps me out. Uh, she is the, she's the main person. She keeps everything under control. She keeps everything going in a straight line. And, uh, sometimes it goes in a crooked line and she straightens it back up pretty quickly. Um, yeah, she, she's, she's great. She, she does, she kind of runs the, the farm. Obviously I'm at the track in the morning and until I can get back at lunchtime, but she's predominantly in charge of all the breaking and the rehabbing at the farm. And, uh, obviously then comes in every so often into the track. But, um, yeah, she's from Ireland as well. So we've, we've, uh, we've both been at it a long time, but you know, she, she grew up with horses and worked in different countries like myself and, uh, has seen it all, you know. Before we came on air, folks, Jeff reminded us that we seem to have a lot of Irish people on this show. And it's not by design, but he said it's either it's one week an Irish person, next week Michelle Lovell, one week an Irish person, next week Michelle Lovell. And, you know, he's not necessarily wrong. Uh, we've had a lot. But you know what? They're great. The accents are just amazing. Uh, it comes through. I love the way they say three, right? <laughs> They, they can't, you know, you guys say it wrong. Three is how you say it. You, you I know it. exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. he pointed that out to us. We know it, but uh, you know, we'll we'll be fine being big in Ireland, won't we, CC? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, uh, Jeff, I got a couple more questions for you. Sure. Uh, Jeff, when do you sleep? <laughs> At night time. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I sleep. I'm a. I'm a. Look, yeah, we get up early. Uh, you know in the mornings that that alarm clock it kicks off pretty early at about half four so but uh i go to bed early i got usually in bed at nine o'clock or whatever so uh the fact and that was one of the things um uh when we were buying the farm that we didn't do mares and foals because uh obviously that's a that's a different ball game when you, right. when you got up in the middle of the night so that is definitely a help that there's there's no racing at night time you know, so we we work hard during the day, but we get it we get it all fitted in. So, last question. Uh, of course, this was a milestone victory for you, getting your uh, first stakes win. Uh, how did you celebrate? Uh it was on a Sunday, so yeah, uh, we considered a, a, a school night. Probably, luckily for me, on a Monday morning, I woke <laughs> up not feeling too bad. Uh, it was on the Saturday night, so I'd say I could have been in a bit of uh, trouble. But, uh, no, I had a couple of, um, couple of, uh, lemonades on the way home, uh, after the races and, and on the way home. And, and I conked out. I remember getting to Louisville. Sandra was driving and, uh, I just passed out. But, uh, we might this weekend now we might, uh, head into Lexington and, and, uh, have a, have a few, uh, beers to celebrate. Yeah. Did you What's really drink tab? lemonade? Did you really drink lemonade? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know what you mean. Green bottles, lemonade that comes in a green bottle with a few Heinekens and, and stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you what, real quick for us, CC, uh, it's a little tricky uh, drinking on the way home from Ellis because if anybody that's made that drive back from 64 to Louisville, there's not many places to stop, is there, about that first hour. If, if you've got to take a leak, you're, you're kind of shit out of luck, ain't you? Yeah, but, but like I said, my wife, is uh, she knows exactly what's going on, and she came prepared. The cooler was uh, The cooler was packed, and that's why she's the boss. Awesome. She, made, she made executive important decisions like that. You got it. Go ahead, CC. All right, Jeff. Well, 
congratulations on the, on the victory and the, and the stakes win and and we'll be keeping an eye on Henrietta Topham going forward. Hopefully uh, she'll uh, she'll run a, another big one. She's won three in a row now. Uh, maybe, maybe add another stakes, uh, stakes victory at Kentucky Downs. But, uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on and, and joining us and, and, and telling us about, uh, this, this fabulous Philly. Great. Thanks, CC. Thanks, Alan, for having me on and, uh, great show and continue the good work. Enjoy listening to you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. That was Jeff Mulcahy, the trainer of Henrietta Topham, the winner of the Centennial Turf. Distaff Mile at Ellis Park, his first stakes victory. What a nice guy. What a, I mean, yeah, what a great guy. He was fun to talk to him before the show, after the show, during the show. I mean, we're probably getting a following in Dublin and some of those other places over there and stuff because we, we have so many Irish guys on by accident, and every one of them is just amazing, just amazing. Okay, so we've got a big weekend coming up. Of course, Ellis Park has a pick five carryover. On Friday, after that uh, impossible sequence on Sunday, somewhere upwards of fifty-six thousand dollars, I believe, in the pool, dead money. Probably going to be, I don't know, upwards of two hundred, two fifty, maybe in the uh, three-four. Yeah, on Friday. So uh, yeah, uh, it draws a lot of attention. Uh, very tough card uh, on Friday. Anything that stands out to you in, in on that uh, on that Friday afternoon of racing? Uh, CC and I decided we may put in a ticket. You know, it's, 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 it's a tough sequence. It's a tough, it's hard to sink your teeth into something. Uh, I will just say that, uh, maybe in the opening leg, I know there's a six to five shot in there that, you know, you might want to use. That's fine with me, but, uh, there's a 12 to one horse on a rail named Ricky O for Whitworth Beckman, who's got speed dropped down. I don't think it'd be 12 to one. And there's another horse in there that's, uh, named Oral Demoral Moral, a bunch of gold there from, Phil Morey, who's on the drop, blinkers on after a bit of a kind of a rough first start. I would maybe look at those first two horses if you want to try to beat the favorite in the first leg, the one, the six. I'm sorry. I remember what you said earlier, the one, Riccio, and the six, or the moral moral. Those are just a couple to use uh, to try to offset the favorite. But if, if I could find anything in there to, to sink my teeth into, it's 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 a bit of a, a long price. But if we do play it, I am going to insist to CC that we lean a little bit on a horse in the last race that is trained by Miss Vicky Oliver named Levity's 12 door in the morning line. I'd be happy to single that one. And if I could even get to that single, that's the problem. I don't know if I can get to the single. This horse is a homebred for G. Watts Humphrey, Vicky Oliver. The dam is frivolous, who was very talented at a young age. I believe frivolous has thrown flippant, who is a stakes winner on turf. Uh, multiple stakes went on turf, including at Ellis Park, and also through Remember Never Forget CC. Yes. Nice seven furlong dirt. So frivolous is on both those horses. And I don't think there's a ton of horses, ton of horses in the body of the field. So uh, this horse middle moved a little bit at Ellis. I got to think that maybe that was a prep, uh, for maybe this obviously going on turf like, uh, like Flippin did. So at 12 to 1, I don't think it'd be 12 to 1, maybe more long than 7, 8 to 1. Is it? A lot, no, but would I be happy if I got a lot of that horse? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of AEs in, in, in the body of that pick five that can be kind of tough too. So it's, it's kind of hard to really sink your teeth in a ticket right now because you don't really know who's going to be in the race. Although the weather should be good, right? But if some of these AEs drew in, it could be a little tricky, but I would take a shot with Levity. Does anything you like? Well, I'm on the same horse you are in race four. I liked Riccio. 
a little bit, but just, you know, you know on the turn back, going from seven furlongs to six, uh, getting the rail, probably going to be the early speed with yeah. Mitchell Merle. Yeah, that's the one I like, but I'm too chicken to single that one to kick off a pick five. I would, I would say, like, I believe in singling early if you can. That said, if you single this early, you might think, hey, I got it licked. You still wouldn't have it licked if this horse were to win, right? Because the rest of the races are tough as hell. Right. So and I get, I, I get your logic there. I would consider playing the early pick four and getting, trying to get down to this horse and maybe singling Riccio. That would be yeah, I like something that. I'd be in. I think the, well, the early pick four is way easier than the late pick four. But uh, the other horse I like is in the fifth race. He's on the AE list. It's Oscar Eclipse. Definitely, definitely. Who had had a spot of trouble coming out of the gate uh, in his debut, and he didn't do a whole lot of running, but he did pick up the pace a little bit inside the eighth pole to finish fifth. Uh, I think he'll do better. It's hard to win first time out on the on the grass going two turns, but uh, it's Brian you know, Lynch and it's the, Brian the winner Lynch. was well met that day. Mayfield strong for Ken McPeak. Yeah, so, now that, I thought it was a pretty good effort. That's not the horse I prefer out of that race. The the one I really am interested in is Oscar Award, but he's not in this race. I have a feeling that he's going to show up at Kentucky Downs, and I think he'll be super live because he broke horribly and was last early and was rolling on the outside late. So I think uh, when Oscar Award, put that in your stable mail, that horse should be live at Kentucky Downs. But uh, the other Oscar, Oscar Eclipse, is in the 12-hole if he can draw in. He's got a shot, but that's a mild push. His buyer figure came back really weak, so he's going to have to improve a lot. But it's not going to take a whole lot of improvement to win this. Yeah, we're not going to make we're not going to go in some long drawn out pick five sequence play. It's a tough it's a tough sequence. We might give it a shot. You hear the ones we kind of like at prices and stuff. I mean, we're not going to go through every sequence, but you know, I I might include the ones we mentioned. I'd put it that way. Now I'll tell you, uh, we also want to talk about Saturday big day. For us personally, our friend Michelle Lovell has Damon's Mound in the Saratoga, or excuse me, the yeah, the Saratoga Special, and he'll face off against Gulfport from the Asmussen Barn, who was uh, recently bought into by Coolmore. Uh, Damon's Mound is, I believe, nine to five on the morning line. Gulf, Gulfport is four to five. Fifth race, I believe, on Saturday. Can't wait. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I mean this when I say it. I know a lot of people are. You know, they're concerned about their own bankrolls or their winning stuff. Everything else is secondary to me if this horse wins. I mean, you know, um, that, that's how much we, that's how much we think of her, of Michelle, and that's how much we like this horse and stuff. So we, uh, the wagering aspect is nice, but it's about, as the older I get, it's about seeing your friends do well, cheering for good people. That's why we do this podcast, a lot of good people on. Uh, it would be, it would be wonderful for a deserving, uh, human being. If that horse were to win, and it just it doesn't have to win too. I mean, the horse can run a, a solid second, still be uh, set. But we we're not going to lie and tell you we are not pulling for that horse. So lost in the shuffle of all this great racing is uh, Churchill Downs is going to be open for one day on yeah. Saturday, and it's a uh, special day. We're going to have the renewal of the Arlington Million and uh, and the Beverly D Stakes and that great eleven race card. That's going to be fun to play. And uh, we're we're going to cover a couple races early. Then we're going to talk about this uh, two-day pick six. Now, Churchill and Ellis are combining for a two-day pick six. I'm very interested to see how this will go. But the, the races consist of the Beverly D, the fifth race at Churchill on Saturday, and then the Lady Tack, which I believe is the ninth race. No, it's the eighth race. 
Correct. There you go. Uh, they're in the eighth race. It's the seventh race. The yeah. Lady Tack is the seventh race. And then the final race, the eleventh race, is the Arlington Million. Now that's the first half of the pick six. And then you flip the page to Sunday at Ellis Park and at another big day there. The fourth leg of that pick six would be the Audubon Oaks, the seventh race, the eighth race, the Groupie Doll, and the final leg, the most important leg, of course, is the Ellis Park Derby at $200,000 a mile on the dirt. We're going to talk about all six races briefly. Yeah, we're not going to go crazy on this and go for it, but we'll mention some stuff real quick. Yeah, real quick. And uh, early on, the fourth race, which is not part of that sequence, but it's just a maiden special weight for two-year-old fillies. Uh, key of life is the seven filly. We've heard a lot about this one. Supposedly uh, was a good thing on debut, two to five, and blew the break and was beaten by a summer promise and another next out winner, Dance Macabre. But uh, she won't be three to one if she's if she's live at all. She'll probably be somewhere around even money. But that's a that might be a single if you play the early pick five. That may be the one to uh, to key in on. Key. Can I mention something real quick? Sure. Uh, I don't know who's going to win the race. I haven't looked at it. I'll take your word on Kia Life. I have a lot of, a lot of talented connections in there, but one of the best-named horses I think I've ever seen in that race is I'm just scrolling through it. Margo in a bubble bath, and I'm fairly certain that's referring to Margo Robbie, who did something famous in a bubble bath or something. So, you know, if, if I'm picking my names, I'm picking that one. You know who Margo sure. Robbie is, right? You sure it's not Margo Kidder, Superman's yeah. girlfriend, Lois Lane? I hope not. I mean, it's not quite the same. But can I just can I just go with that? <laughs> can, can I? I'll just. I mean, that's what I want it to be. So I'm just gonna let it go with that. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, pal. How'd they get by the jockey club? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I'm glad they let it go. I think it's pretty funny. All right. So let's let's dive into this uh, pick six sequence. The fifth race is the Beverly D. Five horse field. I, I didn't think it came up particularly tough. Chad no. Brown's got uh, uh, the favorite, morning line favorite, Rougier, two to one. I think she's been somewhat of a disappointment this year. She did win the Bogey in her first start of the year. She won the Prix de la Opera last fall at Longchamp on, on Arc de Triomphe Day. But uh, she's two to one here. Uh, she's, uh, she's classy. Like I said, she's a you know, grade one winner in France, but uh, maybe beatable. Yeah, give me, I, you know, when we started talking about this, I actually kind of like had fairly decent opinions in the other five races. I don't have one right here, although I think off the top, I think I might lean the family way. It's, uh, Delica probably gets the lead, I'm guessing. Rougier has been a disappointment to me. I guess maybe Princess Grace might get the lead, but family way likes to stalk and second or like God is second to Bleecker Street. If, if you, if I had to pick one in there, I'm taking family way. I might lean toward Lily Pond, the three-year-old filly that Aiden O'Brien ships over. Usually, yeah, uh, they're well meant. Nobody races on Lasix in these races. Uh, she's definitely not ever raced on Lasix. Yeah, that'd be the two I'd use. I mean, uh, I get those two. You get John Velasquez. I think uh, don't have to beat much. Don't have to beat much to knock down a, a Grade One here, right? I'd like to see Delica just get out on the lead and try to gallop. They've tried to raid her. It's conceivable. But, uh, I think, you know, let her go. Let's see what she's made of against this bunch. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think obviously Rougier is uh, formidable, but I think uh, there may be other ways to go. So uh, let's go to race seven. It's the Lady Tack. Even money on Sconson. Seven to five on Bell's the one. There's also another one in here that uh, we have a connection mm. to. Love me some me. Partly owned by Lee and Bob Butler. 
also with Denzik Thoroughbreds, Rocket Ship Racing, trained by Tom Drury, who's been on the pod before, and ridden by Brian Hernandez, who's been on the pod twice. Yeah. So uh, what do we do here in the Lady we, Tack? We wish them the best. There's a lot of speed drawn to the outside of Sconson. Uh, it's Sconson's race to lose to me. Sconson's last race was like is like the carbon copy of the way you need to win this race, right? Lay off the speed, make that one push button, long sustained move. She chased uh, Lady Rocket down a stretch, right? The, Lady Rocket had a lone lead. You got to think Sconson's going to win this. Sconson's beat Bells one last three times. Bells one may working better. But you got to think Sconson gets the jump, gets the trip. And, I mean, I don't know how you don't single Sconson here. Uh, I mean, Bells of One does get her on occasion, but Sconson's gotten the last three. And I think this race did not come up, could not have come up any better trip-wise for Sconson. Bells the One, seven out of eight at, at uh, six furlongs. I know it's amazing. Sconson's yeah. three for four. Bells of Bells One, seven for eight. And love me, love me some me's no slouch either, but, I mean, I, I got to go Sconson. Their losses probably came against each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, they exactly. Traded, yeah, they traded defeats. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Hopefully, Bells of One it. can turn it around at any time. This it, Bells of One got really good in the later half of the year last year, if you remember. So, yeah. But I'll stick Wisconsin. Well, you would think that uh, the Pesson barn would not keep going with Bells of One if she wasn't in top form. And look at mm-hmm. judging by those workouts, she's in top form, you know, or she's back to it. So uh, I'd be interested to see. So it's a fun. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves. It. You know, I'm not. You know, how much I despise short fields, but Wisconsin versus Bells of One's a little different story. And love me some me. That would be awesome to get stakes placed. Yeah. For for yeah. that Philly, yeah, that would be great. So uh, uh, last race, third leg of the pick six is the Arlington Million mile and eight this time. Usually it's ten furlongs at uh, Arlington. Uh, they can't run that distance at Churchill. It'd be on the turn. So that would not be fair for some of these horses. So they, they shortened it to nine furlongs. Uh, smooth like straight, five to two. Santine, the winner of the uh, Woodford Reserve Turf Classic, is was it the Old Forester Turf Classic, or just the Turf Classic? I can't but, keep uh, straight. Santine, I'm not smart enough. I used to know the names of all these races, but not anymore. Santine's three to one. I, I tell you what, I wish it was in the, the race was in his pick six as the race prior is. Uh, is it not the races two races prior? Just an allowance race, uh, not the allowance. The race that uh, Tyler Gaffleyon is in with uh, uh, Intrepid Heart. I wish I wish Intrepid Heart. I like Intrepid Heart. I love Intrepid Heart's last race. But that's neither here nor there, right? You're asking about the Arlington Million. I, I'll go with admission office. Uh, we were there that day, I believe, when admission office came from off the layoff and just flew by the pack in the last 16th, flew by the entire field. To get up off the layoff, it's really impressive. The horse probably wants more ground. Mile and eight may not be long enough, but Brian Hernandez picks this one over Calvary Charge, one of my personal favorites. Ran flat last time. That it looked like, but you know, when they when they when they stretch out to mile and a half, sometimes they'll just run around the track. Uh, I'll take admission office in here and feel, and I'd be happy with our price. I got Brian Lynch uh, has had a great year. It seems like he wins everything. Um, you know, if the horse could do it a mile of 16th at Churchill, maybe do it a mile. One thing I find amazing is set piece only won $700,000. I thought that horse won $3 million by now. <laughs> but uh, as, as many times I've seen that horse win, but uh, you give me admission office. The race holds together. You got smooth like straight Mega City setting a fairly contentious tempo. And yeah. Santine might get sucked into that early tempo. I would, I'll take set piece to run them down late and, you know, four for five on the Churchill turf course. 
That says a lot. I think uh, set piece runs them down, wins a grade one. And, you know, Sacred Life is in here, but it feels like Chad Brown's trying to steal a million-dollar grade one with a horse that's one of his definitely, – definitely one of his B horses. It's a B horse that's won 800000 but Sacred Life always feels like that grade two Monmouth horse, right? But yes. that's not to say that he can't, can't get this done. But it feels like Chad Brown's trying to sneak – see if he can't uh, get in here and sneak away with the grade one with, a, with one of his uh, B stringers, maybe B minus stringers. Okay, that's Arlington Million Day. Let's turn the page. We're going to talk about Ellis Park. Last three races composed this pick six. Race seven is the Run Happy Autumn Oaks, $100,000. Seven furlongs. Just looking through here, the Morning Line favorite. This is interesting. Last leaf for Ronald Spatz. This horse is coming. This filly's coming from Gulfstream. Rafael Bejarano is in the bike. But uh, I think... You and I are going to go our separate ways here from the favorite. Who do you like? Yeah, well, real quick, uh, uh, Sarah Hamilton has uh, cracked lacking up earlier in the day in the stakes race. It's likely that horse rebound. And in the run happy Ellis Park, Jubilee, usually a pretty good race. I think that's Kendrick Peak's got one called Frost Departure, along with uh, Happy Jack, Curly Jack for Amos. I think those two look pretty solid. Uh, but, again, that's not part of this pick six deal. So in the race you asked me about, I do not like the favorite in there. The two to one shot that you just mentioned, uh, last leap. It's not that I have anything against the horse. Horse might air. Horse come from Goldstream Park off two stakes wins. Goldstream Park in the summertime, the racing is fairly inferior, uh, to what it is in the, in the uh, wintertime, the early spring. Horse may be in tremendous form, ships up for a reason. By all means, horse can win. Tip my cap if it does. I'm not betting it at the favoritism. Two horse race for me. Well, maybe a three horse race. I'll take gunning for Ken McPeak off the big one at Churchill at seven furlongs. Patna, Brad Cox. I'm, I don't know if these horses can go off at nine to two to five to one. Give me, you mean give me a, I'll take a flyer. I'll take a flyer on a rail. Ring me Darling, who I've always felt is a elongated one turn horse, was in bad form earlier this year. But if you stuck with the guns, it's a one turn horse. You got rewarded last time. So I think, I think this horse has to get a stakes chance to trip. I think it's a bit of a long shot, but I mean, I like McPeak and Cox in here. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think, uh, Gunning is, uh, she's an up and comer. Of course, his daughter of Gunrunner out of Puka, who I think was a nice runner for Bill Mott back in the day. I think she broke her maiden by like 15 links at Aqueduct and was on the Oaks Trail for a while. I don't think she ever panned out, but she did have a dynamic debut. Yeah, it's Gunning and Patton. And I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think Raymond Darling is, uh, worth sneaky. inclusion. Yeah, yeah. The price. You know, I mean, Garcia, that barn's really sneaky sometimes. So they've, they've got her in decent form. So yeah, I would, I would consider that one at the worst underneath race. Eight is the groupie doll, formerly the gardenia stakes, 125,000. This used to be a graded stakes and the stupid graded stakes committee took it away. Dumbass. For some reason. Yeah. Uh, came up uh, top heavy. I think so. Yeah. Super quick. Just ran second in the Fleur de Lee. Before that, she blitzed the DuPont stakes at Pimlico by 14 and a half links. That was a unbelievable effort. Came out of nowhere. And, uh, she looks like, uh, probably controlling speed in here in the, uh, well, I take that back, uh, look at Grayson's macho gal who's got some speed too. So, uh, what do you do here with the, uh, groupie doll? Well, I tell you what, super, super quick is the best horse, I think, in the race, but super quick, uh, this pace scenario with Grace Macho's gal could be a little tricky because super quick is more of a nine furlong speed horse, more quick, but controlling speed, whereas Grayson Macho gal is, 
a, more of a mile or seven furlong type, more of a mile. And the horse loves Ellis Park. I mean, a horse, a couple of races he won have been like by football fields. So it's going to be a matter of who's going to get the lead. I think Grayson's Macho Gal might be quicker. Uh, super, again, at nine furlongs, I, I like super quick, a lot more solid. I think super quick's the best horse in the race. That's, so to me, it's super quick. Grayson Macho Gal or four Graces from the rail, maybe picking them both up. And four Grayson in better form than she looks like. She's starting to come around against, you know, so I could see that horse in a trip. Those are the three that I'm interested in. That's, as you said, that's, that's nothing fancy. Those are going to be the, the ones that get bet. Maybe Jilted Bragg gets bet. Maybe a little Tootsie gets bet. But it's those three for me. I'm not really sure who I would take on top. Maybe four Graces, maybe super quick. How about you? Yeah. If Grayson's Macho Gal stays in, I, I would go with four Graces. Yeah, and then if you know, if for some reason she comes out, I think super quick probably is uh, lone speed. I will say, I bet I, I I would anticipate that John Ortiz has been pointing to this race with this horse. So don't just because you see the other horses in the race, don't think that this horse can't win. This horse gets lead from super quick. Like I said, this horse loves Henderson, so Ortiz may be pointing to it, and uh, you're going to get a price because of the presence of the other two horses. So. And finally, race nine's the Ellis Park Derby. Back to to one mile, a field single. of nine. Yeah, it, Alan says a single. I think it's uh, just a, a a little bit more contentious than that. But uh, uh, where did you lean? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. It's like there's a couple price horses in there that intrigue me a little bit. I think the race comes down between Strava and Top of the Charts. Although I do believe Friar Lawrence is a bit of a price, really good horse at Turfway last meet, had a really nice win at Ellis. And a sneaky one in here is we all see it for Juan Cano, who almost shocked the world at Ellis last week at 60 to 1 off the claim. This horse ran a really good race against Straba, passing eight horses. So, so something happens, you know, I can see we all see doing, but it's top of the charts for me. Top of the charts has been just absolutely dominant in, the, in those two races. I don't see there's any way this horse goes off a of four to one. Because no. I think Straub's going to take a lot of money too, but this horse isn't going to be four to one. I got to think this horse eight nine to five probably. Straub is probably I don't know five to two. Beat one hell of a racehorse last time in a favorite outlaw, right? And just aired both times out. I mean, it's got to get the, the the one and a half turn mile, new rider. But Brian Lynch is probably trying to pick the right spot for this horse. But I mean, this horse was just a a, a rocket at Churchill and his two starts went one fifteen and two. Last time, 109 in his debut. Give me top of the charts and see how far he can go. They worked that horse on turf two works back. That's interesting. 48 and three on the turf around the dogs. That's pretty good work. I'll tell you why. The damn tis roll, I believe that's uh, Brian Lynch has a lot of those uh, yeah. roll horses, right? So I like said, probably you know, down the road, maybe that's something they're thinking about. But uh, I, I guess single's a strong word, but you got to take stands and stuff, right? And I don't think that's that tough a stand. I, the horse won't be four to one. Yep. What about you? Yeah, it's it's either Strava or top of the charts. You know, I just don't. I mean, you you get the best of both worlds. You've got the horse on the lead and the horse coming late. I mean, that's not real creative. I mean, it's really boring. I may have a really boring ticket when it's all said and done. But uh, uh, trademarks a five to two favorite. I I do not believe trademark will be favored. No, I do not. Been waiting for this horse to break through, and he's it's never happened. Me too. Yeah, he's disappointed me a lot. But uh, this might be the the easiest bunch he's faced. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, it's top of the charts would be nine to five. Straw would be five to two. I think uh, trademark would be about nine to two. Yeah. I, don't, I think the morning line's off. 
I think Friar Lawrence might take a little bit of money. That, that's in the slop. That that win that that allowance win is in the slop. I just can't. I think that's. Uh, I don't want too low of a price on that one. So yeah, this pick six. If you wanted to play it, this pick six might be more hittable than the pick five at Ellis and, and stuff. Actually, probably. Right. I, right. I, I think it definitely is. I I think it's worth playing. It's a it's a, a, a kind of a different type of pool where there may be some uh, what do you call them anomalies. Yeah. And uh, you know, it might pay a little bit more just because you know not a lot of people are going to. May may not play it just because it's two days, you know. Two days and they don't know Ellis Park as well and stuff too. But we yeah. we encourage people to play Ellis Park, and you also have to people complain about uh, things not being created. This is a pretty creative wager that benefits both racetracks and stuff. Yeah. So let's I say you know I don't ever really play the pick six. Uh, that's something I need to work on because you know. But this one here I might be tempted to give it a shot. All right, that's all for now. Uh, had a fantastic guest in Jeff Mulcahy. And uh, that was a that was a great great interview, great conversation. It really was. And uh, of course, good luck to Michelle. Good luck to Lee and Bob Butler. Uh, Sarah. Good luck to, yeah, Sarah. Good luck to all of our friends this coming. Good luck, week. everybody. Good luck to those playing uh, pick fives and pick sixes and and whatnot. Pick twos and show bets. We don't care. We hope everybody wins. All right, just come back next week and listen to us. So, yeah. on behalf of Alan Schneider, Brandon Jagger is not with us, but he'll be back soon. And, of course, our guest, Jeff Mulcahy, I'm C.C. Broadus, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.